overthinking it, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. This is our recap of Community Season 5, Episode 13, the season finale. Woo! I'm Matt Rather. With me are the other podcasters in alphabetical order by last name, Mark Lee. Hey, hey. Shannon Malofsky. Hey, you guys. It's a Goonies reference. And uh, my frequent co-podcaster, Ryan Chewy. We're really holding down the back half of the alphabet here, right? Like, we're starting at L, and then we're representing for the back half, so. Represent. Um, And Matt Rather. Yeah, and I'm Matt Rather with a W. I was always last for everything in line in elementary school, and I think it scarred me for life. Hey, you know what else scarred me for life? This episode of Community. What did you guys think? Oh... (laughs) That's a bit harsh, I think. Um, my quick reaction, immediate reaction after watching this episode was not nearly as um, a sort of good in terms of um, sort of entertainment quality as well as emotional pathos as uh, the season finale for, uh, for episode three, which is the last season of Community that Dan Harmon helmed to the end. Uh, where we really, really thought that the show was ending and that this was going to be the end. And, uh, and in that, uh, that episode, I thought, really wrapped a ni- nice bow tie around everything um, and was not nearly as ambitious with all of the themes it was trying to cover with this episode of Community. I mean, we had this whole like commentary on the Internet itself. We had uh, the issue of Jeff and Britta and their marriage or not marriage. We had the whole Goonies thing going on. And then, of course, the whole... Thing about you know saving Greendale with it being a very thinly veiled metaphor for saving the episode itself. Um, so that's my way of saying it was all kind of a jumbled mess, um, an, entertain- an entertaining jumbled mess, but a jumbled mess nonetheless. So this is the point where I turn over over to all of you to try to make some sense of this mess because you seem to be doing a much better job of it than I can do these days. I don't yeah. know. I, do you mean save the episode or save the save the save the show? As in, like, save it from cancellation. Save the what? Uh, yeah, save the show from cancellation. That's what save Greendale is being a thinly is a thinly veiled metaphor for. Is it sure. not? Uh, yeah, I think so. Though, though, I don't know. Are we clear whether it's coming back or not? I suppose we should do this research before we begin the. Uh, well, as I, far I, as I, I know, I, it's fading no. far from sure. No. Bubble so show. I, I think that how I read this episode in light of the whole season is that in some ways what I, I feel is that um, especially from the, the end, you know, once um, Dave Matthews is queued up and there's a certain amount of acceptance, I mean, especially when I mean, Abed says, we'll be back, and if we're not back, um, you know, an asteroid has destroyed all all human life. And I think that, I mean, I think that beyond that, I feel like in some ways, like, saving community, I like, so I, I think that it's almost part of what I take from this episode and from this whole season is that it doesn't necessarily matter whether or not um the community is renewed it doesn't real it doesn't matter necessarily whether or not green day dale is saved is that this uh, kind of the saving of greendale is something that comes from within um and so like in some ways because i think that so i i feel like that 
you know, this season, I mean, I guess, and, and maybe we can like actually refract this, uh, to the, um, you know, to to the article that that Shana that you posted on overthinking it today about you know four that was titled four ways that community could end or might end, um, and kind of was contemplating what kind of story is community and what kind of story is this season of community, and I don't know, and I, I don't know the the kind of story type archetypes as well, but I feel like the way in which this ended made me feel that it's landing s- at least somewhere in a satire zone because like i think that part of the in some ways you know we've been talking a lot about the dan dan Harmon being in in the ravioli in various ways this season and what what i kind of felt like as this wound up um between the like quick references of like what is this an hour-long episode of the office um and then the uh the credits tag about like the uh, the pile of likely garbage that nbc will produce um in some ways i guess so what to articulate what i'm saying is that dan Harmon like saved community by just making the best freaking season of community that he could make and having something that like that he feels has an arc and and has has a story that resolves and it almost feels like a movie that just happened to play out uh over 13 20 minute uh installments and he saved that by just doing that himself but also sticking it to the the all the haters in different ways i don't know if any of that hangs together but um that yeah so i mean shana what did you think with respect to you know your kind of predictions and or analysis well i agree with you completely that i think if it falls into just one of the categories that um i went through in my piece which are you know tragedy comedy satire and romance that this episode uh was pretty satirical in nature in the sense of that nothing has changed at the end um the characters are all the same they are remaining in greendale um where there are parodic elements in it um the the line was that they were just moving dirt around the grave um which seems like a very satirical uh thing to say um because another type of satire by the way isn't just something funny or a parody but an um a dystopia is also a satire like you're just going around in circles in this society that is kind of terrible and you can't get out um and these people in this community um, apparently aren't getting out. Uh, on the other hand, there are elements from the other types or the other modes of storytelling here. Um, it, it didn't end with a wedding, okay? The the marriage or the wedding is off. Um, but it did end with a dance party, which is another common way that, uh, you know, traditional comedies end. Um, now, they did it with, like, a little bit of an ironic uh, undertone there. So, okay. Um, and bit. it also ended... Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Um, but it also ended um, as a, a romance story. Like, The Goonies is, uh, is an adventure story that's a romance. You have characters that are slightly larger than life, uh, you know, going through portals. Abed even mentioned, uh, or actually someone else mentioned it to begin with, but then they go through this trapdoor that's a portal into another world this like weird world with this like mad scientist type 
um, and they save the day. That's, you know, a romance, right? Um, so they're sort of trying to combine all of these different modes. But yeah, I think ultimately it is more satirical than anything else. Um, just one more point before I throw it over to you guys. Um, but I think maybe this season and this episode uh, particularly is such a mess because if you look at Dan Harmon's story circle, um, and also the uh, Northrop Fry, Fry uh, mode circle that I had on the Overthinking It website. Um, they're either separated into four parts or eight parts, and the eight parts are basically four parts that just have two little slices in it, um, which I think was supposed to correspond to four seasons of Community. Um, if you remember in the third season, they had that rap where um, Abed was saying, today is the December of our December. Hmm. So that was putting it in like the winter. Um, so that would be the lowest point of like this four act structure. So f this fourth season was going to be the conclusion, right? Um, but then of course, Dan Harmon got taken in a way they had this like weird gas leak season right um so now he comes back and the story is kind of concluded the circle has been uh you know circled and now what is he supposed to do um you know they're just pushing dirt around in a circle again because it's ended so what next and i don't know if they get a sixth season how they're going to deal with that. Movie. You guys have any ideas? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, that's right. Like it's, it <clears throat> bears pointing out how successful within like minutes, uh, season five of community was with dispensing with season four, right? Like we're not going to talk about the gas leak season, you know, that's no excuse, right? Um, that, that it's kind of like so much, for all of that, uh, so much for all of that television that that uh, you know that people did. Um, that's a that's a hell of a move to to make a hell of a rhetorical move to make towards a predecessor, uh, right? Even if even if the predecessor was ripping you off, um, it reminds me of a moment in Don Quixote where uh, you know part two of Don Quixote uh, took a long time. To, for Cervantes to write, and there were pirated, um, you know, ba bad uh, sequels to the original Don Quixote, not written by Cervantes, that were published. Um, and there is a scene uh, on the on the L, on El Waffles. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, on on uh, right on El Bit Torrent. Uh, excuse me, El, El Torrent Bit. Um, and the uh, so there's a scene in the second part of Don Quixote where there's a uh, uh, where um, he where Quixote and, and Sancho go go into a printing press and the printing press is printing off a book. And uh, in in college, the professor who was uh, teaching this particular seminar said, what could and he had other things, you know, other kind of evidence for this as well. But he said, what could be on that? printing press other than the pirated uh you know unofficial uh sequel to uh part one of 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 don quixote right like there's and there's this there's a particular skill particular like meta narrative skill in sort of uh rejecting something by taking it on by sort of subsuming it into you uh into your narrative and having an account of a why it exists and b 
why it's bad and you have have more authority and you have the authority to uh to say so and the whole gas leak the whole gas leak season is uh you know a, a tremendously tremendously successful effort on that but i mean there's more yeah. stuff that's of a piece with that Shana. like for, like college is generally thought of as being four years right uh and stuff i i don't know mark what do you think no i was just going to say that when dan Harmon. um writes his autobiography, one of the pull quotes needs to be um, the, the, uh, the modern day Cervantes, Dan Harmon, <laughs> the, the source we've had rather overthinking it. Right. Um, I don't know. The other thing that just comes to mind is that, uh, well, it just reminds me of the incredible uh, achievement that community is. It's a, the weird aberration that it is. It is just intensely meta, um, in a lot of ways, experimental television show that happens to occupy, uh, you know, one of the prime spots for network television comedy um, that's out there, right? Thursday night, eight o'clock. Was that not the Friends time slot? Um, I, I'm just constantly baffled that the show has continued to exist um, and that it, 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 it's found an audience. Um, it, I, I think for, for people that, like, aren't in just intensely obsessed with media, it's got to be so alienating. <laughs> Like why NBC keeps us on the air is just it it it, it yeah it just boggles the mind. It, it's kind of reminds me of I believe it was Winston Churchill's quote about democracy, right? So Community is the worst Thursday night NBC show for Thursday night show for NBC to air, except for all the others. Um, and that there is like a certain thing of, and I mean I think that the the, the, the tag at the end. Um, kind of illustrates that is that you know in some ways that even though this kind of you know very dense very self-referential very experimental show is um it, you know it feels counterintuitive you know at the same time like there aren't so many other ideas right all of the other new shows um that uh, all the other new thursday night comedy shows that premiered this year were canceled um and so there there still is just the landscape is just um is 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 just a uh, community and parks and rec of kind of veteran shows um but beyond that i think that um um I think that I don't know. So let's let's zoom back though to what else is going on in this um, this episode. I feel like the other the other thing that I was reminded of. Maybe we can speak a little bit to the Goonies element. And I, Goonies was the first thing I thought of, but then the second thing I thought of um, as I was watching this was was Lost. And I guess so. Okay, blanket spoilers for all seasons of Lost. Um, but uh, but I think that but again. Once you were like, once we're in a hatch and we have the antiquated uh, computer technology um, and and the kind of abandoned project and kind of informational feel uh, uh, informational films, I feel like there are a lot there. And even then, like the the evil corporate types tracking down this like uh, this 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 lair, this uh, um, this this world, like. And then everybody kind of ending together. So I'm not saying that, like, um, you know, that that all elements of it um, echo the lost, or that you know that that the same plot devices in effect. But I felt there was a in this one episode, um, they basically summed up the like most of lost and like grabbed like the kind of whole arc of lost in in 20 minutes uh, in a lot of ways. Well, remember. 
remember um, in Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, that's the, you know, the end of the episode is that he finds the DVD of season one of Lost and the moral of the story is lack of payoff, right? Or that you, but also that you make your own meaning of it. So if they were indeed making that reference, then maybe it was an acknowledgement that this last episode, you know, it wasn't a great way to wrap things up. Now, I found it a funny episode, but I think the episode was continually uh, bringing our attention to the fact that it was kind of unfinished. It was trying to cram too much um, into itself at once. Um, you know, I think they were also unclear about how they felt um, about even making this episode. Like, uh, and, and just being on NBC in general, um, when they said that line uh, if she, to the robot, though, uh, if she hasn't given anything back to you, you might as well move on. Like, I felt like they were definitely uh, talking about being on NBC, not really getting much from them, maybe thinking maybe this should be the end. Like, maybe we are done here, but then also not wanting to let go of it, wanting to continue on and save itself or be saved. And I think that's why this episode for me um, was just a, a bit of a jumble. And by the way, uh, just to antagonize everyone in the audience, Lost was a way better ending than this. So just saying. There was no dog in this one. Wow. Yeah, I didn't watch. I like the Lost. I didn't watch Lost, so I don't feel uh, qualified to to comment on that. So here I go. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. This was the most brilliant ending in all of television <laughs> comedy, and uh, and Lost can Lost can suck it. Um, th so Dan Harmon has kind of returned to this thing, I, or the the team of writers, the the kind of multi determined agency. Uh, or nexus of agencies that creates community have returned to this theme of kind of bashing the internet uh, uh, a little bit. And I mean, I guess there is kind of built into the structure of the show. It's about people who sit around a table, like literally in the same space, even if they are on their phones a lot of the time or whatever, playing whatever game they, they, they were playing fruit ninja or something in the last episode or the one before. And, um, and they, uh, uh, you know, it's about people kind of together, IRL, and uh, that with the meow meow beans, um, and now this, like, uh, well, if we all get these relationships with our computers, you know, an, an elite cadre of socially maladjusted super nerds will run the world, and uh, without feeling, and and the the, uh, the the lower classes will be the the people with feelings. Do you think there's something? Does this critique add up? to anything or is it maybe just uh, not quite as coherent as that but um you know but is uh, uh not quite as coherent as that but um more more important because it's sort of angry <laughs> at, at well okay let me, let me jump in and try to try to figure out what's going on here um because the other thing that was uh, really notable about sort of that whole commentary against technology in this episode was when Britta shows the video of the cat, the cat video, right? And you see underneath it are just like this, uh, uh, suggested as a stream of vindictive comments about what should just be an innocuous cat video, right? The message there being, you know, the internet is horrible and soulless. Um, so all that, that, that in the Meow Meow Beans episode and other things that we've seen in the season, like leave it, make it all add up to me, just feel like a very oddly specific ax that the writers of the show are grinding 
against technology and the internet. We've talked before in the past about how uh, Dan Harmon sort of hasn't um, played particularly well with online discourse and feel like he's been a bit of a victim of that. And we also know all of that, you know, the community is, uh, you know, semi-autobiographical and that Dan Harmon, you know, spent time in a community college and had a study group and that really helped him get through a difficult time in his life. So it, 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 my interpretation of this, and feel free to pick this apart, is that, you know, Dan Harmon feels very alienated and victimized by this impersonal internet discourse um, with a bunch of strangers attacking him. And he longs for the simplicity of the very personal interactions that he had in his community college, you know, around the study group table, face to face, working out problems together um, and not sort of mediated by a screen or a computer or something like that. So that's my take. Hmm. Well, we're on the internet now, so I guess we're just gonna have, have to stop talking because we have nothing of value to say to each other one star worst commenter ever one meow meow meow. <laughs> meow, meow. Everyone, just, everyone just awkwardly look at your phone for a little while i'm going to uh rub my nipples and oh, those turn, from, to turn the, from a frown into a mild amusement face art direction here <laughs> Yeah, okay, hey, let's talk about that, right? I think before we started recording this, a lot of us were taking issue with that weird scene where um, Jeff puts on the um, the mind-reading thing, and his intense emotional outburst is what revives the computer. That just did not work for me. That's clearly not a very overthought uh, reaction to this, but um, I, I couldn't read what exactly was going on there. He was reading his, his friend's minds, or he was channeling his intense friendship for them and that's what turned the machine back on what what was that all about guys tell me please and you would think that shirley would be there since uh jeff and shirley have had such an emotional connection um a little bit this season in the meow meow beans episode but especially in past seasons when people actually included shirley in the scripts so it was a bit weird that she wasn't around to be part of that you know it was supposed to be a climax but it yeah it didn't really work i don't know what to say about it other than they were trying for something that just didn't uh, have enough time to develop well let's let's think about this because this is the actually there are two different um that it, there are two almost parallel incidents incidents of like mind melding uh in this episode right so there's the there's this where it is uh, so was, we have this and then we have the um community uh or the school board member who can also fly through the mind space and uh and and read minds <laughs> see the um, yeah yeah um and I think that so. So what what do these mean? I mean, so getting back to these themes about the nature of connection, right? So I guess I think one way that I read these, right? So that the difference between the two there there's there's two differences between the two of these, right? So that the school board member flies in the brain tube towards, uh, towards them. And, and actually, as we learn in the end, it does extract something that Hickey was, uh, was, was um, thinking about. So it seemed to indicate this guy is able to retrieve items from the brain, um, but they're useless because he like, you know, lacks 
context or uh, an ability to to um, to combine them into anything to to build anything out of it. Whereas, so I think it's interesting, right? I think there's an interesting ambiguity um, in in the in the 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 Jeff scene, um, and without really caring how or why that's working, I think it's there's an interesting question, right? So in going through the four people who are there, um, is he, is it like he, it's, is it process of elimination and going until he gets to the, um, kind of true connection, which is then is Annie. Um, and so that's like one possible read is that people will say, actually the like true love, the one true love is with Annie. Um, but another possible read is that it's, the in fact like the the thing that like that moves the needle and that powers enough um emotion is is everyone together is is kind of whether it's it's cumulative or or synergistic is that to to move emotion um and to again move the emotion of this um of of this of this computer, um, of this of this digital thing, you need you need you need everything, and you need to kind of um, interact in this way. So I think that I mean one way, I mean of interpreting this is that it is a, you know it, it again is kind of saying um, we saved C- Greendale by by saving Greendale, um, and it wasn't and so in some ways that that is where Greendale is saved. Greendale is saved by the way in which you know it is telling stories that connect with people that make the robot smile um, and that uh, and that regardless of whether it comes back, regardless of whether you um, you know, halt the sale. Whether you you halt the kind of march of of bad decisions of, of made by people in power, the fact that you made that connection means that it succeeded. And I, I and I think that that and even then the kind of dance party ending indicates to me that like this is there is almost a certain amount right in the last episode they're talking about contentment and that um abed is kind of raging against contentment and i feel like with these two scenes with the kind of um jeff mind meld scene and then how that leads into the conclusion that there that you know if that dan Harmon has traveled the story circle and he has um, changed and paid a paid a price, and so they're saying like, "Listen, we're here. Like, and maybe there will be six seasons. Maybe there will be a movie. But in fact, we made people feel something. Uh, we did something. We like, and if, the story circle actually isn't perfect. And so we had to create this season, uh, and it was messy and sometimes unexpected. Um, but we through through making these human connections." Um, made feeling, and so I don't know. That's how I would read that um, in in light of the rest of the episode and the rest of the season. It made Thanks. feeling. I like that's that's a that's a good encapsulation of the show. It made some feelings. It gave the feels to the people. Well, hopefully, um, as you were saying that, Ryan, I was thinking, and I don't really 
really have an answer to why this is the case, but there have been a lot of images in this season um, and in the show as a whole of people, you know, flying sort of Superman style. In this case, um, in this hang glider uh, fantasy, and then uh, in Jeff's G.I. Joe fantasy, um, when he was sort of uh, flying outside of that uh, commercial that he was stuck in. And then at the beginning of the season, the, the, uh, first episode of the season opened with this commercial of Jeff as a superhero lawyer. Um, another fantasy of his that involves like flying. And I think also in the third season, it opened in a similar way where they had that like musical song, you know, uh, opening where it's like, this is going to be a great year. And they're all like flying around. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering that. But it just right, seems yeah. like uh, this in- interesting symbol. Uh, it keeps being used uh, that has to do usually with Jeff, usually with imagination or a way of um, imagining yourself. Um, as something that you don't quite live up to, like he thought he was a super lawyer, but then he, you know, lost his uh, work, or he thought he was G.I. Joe, but then he moved beyond it. So I don't exactly know why the hang glider uh, scene was in this episode, but uh, I thought it was an interesting uh, connection to those other scenes that happened. Well, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, in this case, the um, it, it was the villain that was flying, right? And that he thought he was going to use this to, you know, to to put the nail in the Greendale coffin. Um, and in fact, he was wrong. I mean, so, right, it, it seems to be in this world a metaphor about or a, a set of symbolism around kind of overconfidence right so we talk sometimes uh uh on this podcast and also a bit on uh tft about kind of a psychological empowerment that kind of comes from a sense of efficacy that you can accomplish things but in some ways that flying in this world is almost not an inverse of that but a level beyond that that is a pathology that's come of not knowing your limits right and 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 so that um, in this way, like all flying in the community world is flying too c- close to the sun and is actually not knowing one's abilities. Um, and I actually I feel like that is that's kind of a Dan Harmon thing. Like Dan Harmon for a while was was like Captain McFlypants uh, and and was awesome and was uh, and was was kind of brought down in a way. And, and I'm not saying that this is like a um, you know that this season is about Dan Harmon. Um, you know, changing completely, but it's again in the story circle thing. There's, there's, you know, prices have been paid um, in in various ways. Um, yeah. So, and in a way, we're just all ants just marching along, right? That everyone just continues, everyone just keeps going on their day. Uh, nothing changes, and we're all we're all just ants marching, like Dave says. But it's still a happy song, always gotta dance i hope you dance that's a different song (laughs) did you notice i mean the great detail that no one knows the lyrics to that song and everyone is just (laughs) singing singing a line uh the use uh, of that and and that was used in the last episode and in this episode but it, it was introduced in this season in the ass crack bandit episode right um and I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if it's just like a fun callback and a fun joke, or is there something else, right? Because like the Ass Crack Bandit was a Dave fan. Um, so are are we all? Are we all the Ass Crack Bandit? 
we're all complicit. Mm. Ryan. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's like Spartacus. We all stand up and say, I am the ass crack bandit. No, I am the ass crack bandit. No, I am the ass crack bandit. This is I mean, let me just take a show. quick stab at explaining the, the, uh, so let me take a quick stab at ex- explaining the choice of the Dave Matthews song there. It's that um, it's it's a tricky combination of uh, that ironic distancing from something while also having that actual earnest uh, attachment to it. I mean, we've, you know, with some controversy on the site, have used the, the phrase irony to describe that sort of um that that sort of thing but i think uh it, it is symbolic of uh of, of how a lot of us um uh negotiate with television in general right not just with the show te- with the show community but just television writ large right you know we watch uh lesser shows and have an ironic distancing from it and sort of poo-poo it and say that oh two and a half men what a simplistic show oh i'm pointing out all these things that are wrong with it um but at the same time you know uh, another side of that coin is a show like community or uh, whatever other shows that we we know and love 30 rock parks and rec um where we uh sort of throw our arms around it and and embrace it and engage in the silly fun that it is so in other words um you know listening to the song ants marching by dave dave matthews we we can't help but to you know groove along with a little bit uh, while also deriding it and so that sort of uh is also the attitude at least i I, I feel like, you know, a viewer like myself has in watching television writ large, you know, had grooving along to it, having fun with it, while also deriding it a little bit along so the way. So is what you're saying that you watch Two and a Half Men? Uh, don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge me. I don't watch Two and a Half Men. But if I did, would you hold that against me? Would you boot me off of this uh, recap show? Yeah, you probably <laughs> Right. Well, the... the um. Yeah, so it's it's your point is that it's a stand-in for uh, mass audience popular yeah, culture. Yeah, actually popular popular culture. Yeah, <laughs> it's normcore, right? It's totally normcore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is absolutely like it, I, I like um, it, it. Just kind of dawned on me, right? That especially, and I think that the the discourse around. Uh, normcore is is kind of not super coherent, right? But this is the current uh, fashion trend that is celebrating sameness, right? That the, the, one of these kind of subsets is you know sameness as the new difference, and it's a weird kind of. There, there are a lot of questions, or in my mind, around what that really means, because that it's it's odd because then the other thing that is held up as a. Um, you know, as as a as a symbol of normcore is dressing like um, a a member of the cast of Seinfeld, um, and so it's odd that like it's it's unclear how you are both a trying not to be different and like stick out, um, but that if you were really normcore now, um, you would be like you know you you would be just just wearing a north face fleece right and so that in some ways that the playing of so like in the same way playing dave matthews isn't totally like kind of just being mainstream i think it's being normcore because it's it was what was normal 
when we were younger, right? So that I think that that's what it is. It's, it's, it's being the mainstream of an old mainstream. And so it's a little different than like the previous kind of hipster nostalgia farming. Um, but I think that uh, there's like a little bit of this, like you used to like this and or like, so like, you know, again, I used to, I'll say it. My first major concert was a Dave Matthews band concert. Um, and uh, oh God, where's yeah. the button to dump someone off the, dump someone <laughs> Hey off man. The hey, 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 Normcore, bro. Deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> My first concert was a Tori Amos concert. That's something else core. That's what you did, what you'd expect. So, uh, yeah, so it's, so it's good, but you see, but it's going back, it's nostalgia farming, but it's nostalgia farming, you know, I don't know, not from like campier, kitschy parts of, of the culture, exactly. but from like the Sears catalog. Yeah. You know, um, and, and by the way, like North Face, I think like real nor would be like, Normcore would be like old Navy fleece, right? Like, or or real you know real going to the to the actual mass market yeah yeah would be something from like Walmart or Old Navy or something like that Old Navy might even be a little too upmarket yeah I guess I mean it's it, it it is really about like trying to think about like hitting the median right hitting the median consumer uh, and what that is like so I think yeah. We we should do that on overthinking it. We should really. As in, we should just do rigorous normcore, right? Like so, actually, the money ball of normcore. But anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um. So continuing, what else did you guys think about this episode of Two and a Half Men? That Ashton Kutcher, what a cut up, right? I know. Man. So glad we got rid of Charlie Sheen. Um, do do we uh, what, what do you what do you think it says about the the writers and the the sort of either I don't know squeamishness or like uh, lack of guts in pulling the trigger on on Jeff and Annie right like Annie's still carrying a torch for Jeff after all of this time and Jeff still like burns with with secret passion for uh, the rear side of Annie, which is why he makes them all turn around and look at the other wall so that he can survey their derrieres, uh, you know, uh, one after another and see which one, um, uh, makes him feel a stirring in his stirring in his emotions, right? Like this, this kind of, this kind of has, has hung on, uh, a little too long, like, uh, Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused, right? Like, I don't know. It's kind of like Jeff, like, ooh, you know, Jeff gets older and he stays the same age. <laughs> no, no one wants to pick that one up. I mean, it's been around since the first season. Um, and I forget exactly what Annie said to Abed when she just, uh, in the middle of the episode, just sort of accepted it. She was crying, but... Um, can anyone refresh my memory on what she said exactly? Because I think that might have something to do with the episode. No. <laughs> about accepting that that uh, it could happen. Well, I mean, Abed's speech there was about how this is what this is what people do, right? When they're confronted with when they're confronted with um, 
uh, the prospect of something ending is they they sort of jump in. They want another go round on that on that circle, that story circle, right? Like it's it strikes me that the idea of the story circle is that you like start another revolution when you're done, when the clock get when the you know big hand gets back up to the twelve and goes over. But life is not sort of like that. Life starts with a story circle, and then like there's a lot of straight line, you know, before another. Uh, pattern of of descent and return begins, right? It's not. It would be just exhausting if you were just on that Ferris wheel uh, over and over and over and over. And it 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 strikes me that what um, what uh, th- one of the things that this season is about, in a larger sense, is the experience of sort of 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 living when you've kind of gone through one revolution of that structure, just this sort of experience of living through time. You know, I know it's called the campaign to save Greendale, but what they do is like maintenance, right? They, they fix toilets, they do like landscaping, they improve the facilities, they do the normal, uh, they have the normal set of functions that you associate with like maintaining a public good over a long, uh, over a long period of time. Um, but at the same time, oh, sorry, Matt. Um, you know, even though they're tweaking these little things, uh, sprucing things up, uh, Annie points out that they didn't save two people. Like, Pierce died and Troy left, and it was a triumphant moment for him. But uh, that was a very important part of Greendale, and I think the show didn't completely recover when uh, both of the characters, especially Troy, left. So it's maintaining a community by, you know, fixing the light bulbs and the, you know, bulletin board, but still missing something. Um, And I think there is a a sadness at the heart of community in general. Um, And maybe the episode needed to be sadder and needed to, uh, you know, make more references to the the feeling of loss in there. Because when... You go through a circle and you're maintaining things. There, you still did lose something, right? Uh, that's a very important part of the story circle is that you change, but only having uh, after having paid a price. And there is something sad to that. And you can keep going, but the best episodes of Community, I think, um, focus on that, you know, a melancholy. And this one didn't, which is why I think it didn't work for me as well as it could have. Yeah, and really sort of set, settle into a, almost a. There's usually a point where that's almost a meditation on the the kind of beauty and sadness of that of that melancholy, uh, melancholy situation. You know, I mean, the Cisco is of Bejor, but he will never find his rest there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, uh, do, do you, uh, you want to wrap up uh, the recap with just a thought, another thought or two about the about the season? I mean, I'm glad we we got this season. The the um, sense I had all throughout was a sense of doing a lot with a little, and I mean a little in terms of like budget and sets. Even the kind of the big the big stuff was uh, the uh, big sets in this episode were just redressed versions of their normal hallway set. Um, and was the, the, was the computer lab, the study room redress or something like, I don't know. It's a room. It has four walls. It's not that hard to make, but, but uh, you know, not, not really leaving the school all that much. Um, 
not really doing a ton uh, with like the paintball episode, sort of going outside, doing big set pieces, doing big blanket forts, uh, stuff, stuff like that, and really kind of focusing in a more, a much more mundane way uh, on the mundane details of the uh, of the character's life, and that was largely out of necessity. I mean, did they make lemonade? Uh, out of those out of those lemons, I think that's a little bit what what we're talking about. And if there's a if there's maybe a uh, a lack of energy in our conversation tonight, I think part of it is is uh, not a lack of energy, but a lack of sort of um, sensational high points maybe in in this mm-hmm. episode. You know, yeah. To quote this season, is what I meant. <laughs> Yeah, so let me just, just, just uh, I mostly agree with that, but, you know, to sort of pick things up and uh, try to end or bring us to a, uh, an ending with a, on a bit of a high note, I mean, I'll, I'll say that, um, you know, the season was a remarkable return to form. We sort of talked about earlier about the recovery from the whole gas leak thing. And um, for us, like this experience of doing this recap and really picking apart this show, which in turn picks apart television, has been uh, a great journey. To go on with you guys i've learned a lot about um uh the uh, you know sort of the nature of television storytelling this whole story circle thing that we keep talking about is is a really useful exercise not just for understanding community but for um other television shows uh in in general so i'm really glad that we did this i'm glad the community came back in this way so thanks guys oh well, we're a community <laughs> a little community Funny of recappers Actually, no, it's really funny because, like, uh, you know, this is actually, if not the first, one of the first recaps of this season of Community that's not two people. (laughs) Um, Sorry, guys. uh, It was sort of hard to field a team, yeah. No, no, but – and so it's actually – it's interesting, right, that we were – a community of dyads that is actually coming together as as a full community actually for the first time um and uh and and we come together uh having uh, having changed having paid a great p- price um <laughs> which is that we gave up an extra hour every thursday night to to um to do this well in in i i'm happy to bring this plenary session of the overthinking it community recaps for season five to a close uh if you like these let us know and and maybe Maybe we'll come back for season six and and definitely for the movie. I mean, we'll do something for the movie if there is one. Um, In the meantime, uh, on uh, the Overthinking It recap front, we're in the midst of our Game of Thrones uh, recaps. And uh, those are going great. You can watch those live. It's appointment podcasting uh, via Google Hangout and via YouTube. Uh, We tweet the links for those, and they happen Monday nights uh, after the airings of Game of Thrones on Sunday. We do the Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. All these recaps are also available as audio downloads on Overthinking It, where you'll find a podcast feed uh, so that your podcatcher, whether it's iTunes or a different one, can uh, automatically download the uh can automatically download um all the recaps and and we announce uh very clearly what show it is at the beginning so you you won't get spoilers you won't listen to things uh that that you don't want to hear except for lost i suppose in this recap so uh this wraps up community thank you all for listening and thank you uh fellow recappers for recapping uh 
We'll be back maybe next year, but there are more recaps coming up from us. And and uh, until then, you can get all that and more on Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, it probably doesn't. 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 Take us home, Matt. Okay. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>